0: I'm a, I'm a cessationist except in extraordinary conditions. Do okay. I believe that, do I believe that God can work through tongues and, you know, through like words that are prophetic? Sure. But like, do I believe that there are prophets that are telling the future and that are, you know, like going to say things that are speaking the, the name of God? No, I don't. Because okay. I think that the, the Bible was completed with revelation. What's up,
1: citizens? I'm John, and uh, welcome to the Square Podcast, where we talk to everyday people about faith and work. If you uh, enjoy our content, uh, please don't forget to subscribe, like this video, click the bell, and if you would, leave us a comments and any kind of questions you might have. Uh, just, like I said, drop us a comment. Those things help us with the channel, helps us grow the channel, and like kind of lets us know if y'all are enjoying what we're doing. But today, I'm with uh, Lee Wright, He's the uh, college minister of the Reformed University Fellowship uh, at U- UTSA, University of Texas San Antonio.
0: What's going on, man? Hey, man. How are you doing? Doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me into your backyard. I uh, <laughs> hope everybody can enjoy uh, the nice fencing that we have behind us, and uh, just the uh, the fact that we're getting to enjoy some fresh air. know, this is the first time that I've ever
1: been recorded one of these like uh, in person. We're usually uh, on Zoom or Riverside, and
0: so I'm actually kind of excited to be able to, to do this in, in person, man. But how's the cigar? Uh, it's it's quite nice. I um, enjoy cigars, and John has been a a great um, discipler of cigars for me, and so <laughs> I uh, have have enjoyed his presence and um, and his wisdom in this. So thank you, John. Like we first of uh,
1: met was it about a year ago. At with probably. When
0: did you move here? It's been, I think, in March. It'll be eighteen months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We met shortly after you moved here, I believe. Yeah. 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 So I think it was sometime in the fall of twenty twenty one. That's right. that's a, that's the time that we met. So. That's been good since then, man. Yeah.
1: So uh, I've heard it before, but a pretty good chunk of the people who are going to be uh, watching this or listening to this later, heavens. Would you mind sharing some of your stories, some of your testimony?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am from North Texas uh, in a small town called Granberry, born and raised there. Um I if, if you know much about the town or know much about North Texas, a lot of places are uh, pretty Christian-y. And um I think my identity would have even been as uh you know a good a good Christian kid, just like most people that I had uh grown up with. Um yeah, so was raised in that kind of like Baptisty culture. Um I so interestingly enough, as part of my life story is that I was baptized as an infant um, at, in a Presbyterian Church in Alabama, but then I was raised in this Baptist culture, um, made a profession of faith at a very young age, about six years old. Um, I remember the day, the time, you know all of that. Um, but then also for many years of my life definitely struggled with, assurance of faith. And if I was doing things the right way. So, uh, like many people who grow up in that kind of culture, uh, felt like I needed to pray a Lord's prayer, um, in order to, uh, confess my sin, pray a sinner's prayer, excuse me, and, uh, confess my sin and, you know, receive Jesus. And, um, it would, I, I realized now in hindsight that it was my way of dealing with conviction and dealing with, um, just the pain of guilt and shame. Um, and then whenever I felt like I needed Jesus um, and it wasn't until college where I was praying that prayer on a weekly, almost a daily basis that I realized there, there needs to be something else. And so I um, was an athlete and I had a track teammate who had just encouraged me that uh, there's something called assurance of faith and um, that if I... Like if I'm one of Christ, then I, there's no turning back. And so, um, that, you know, there's once and for all justification anyway, she didn't get into all of that, but that was, that was a big part of what was really freeing for me to, to realize that, um, I didn't have to earn my salvation in any way, like even with a prayer. And so, um, I went to a Baptist college in Alabama called Stanford university, Uh, it was a very instrumental, informative, um, time of my life. Uh, that's part of the reason why I'm a college minister is because I just love the college life and the college years. Um, and so from 18 to 22, I, you know, played sports, continued on that trajectory, but then also, um, was planning on being a physician. And so I did a pre-med degree and at the end of my college years, uh, really in one summer, the Lord just, uh, confirmed the desire, um, really kind of implanted, confirmed, and then delivered on a desire for me to do full-time ministry. And so, um, that was a huge change. And then the next year I ended up, uh, going to seminary, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. I ended up meeting my wife there. Um, I heard about RUF in college, but I was never involved with it. And my wife, when we had met, she had just come off of the field of doing a two-year-long internship with RUF. And so the short version of the story is that she really taught me uh, and helped me appreciate more about RUF. And, um, and, you know, we're now serving together at the University of Texas at San Antonio. This is my ninth year of doing campus ministry. I did six years uh, at the University of Central Florida, and this is my third year uh, at UTSA in San Antonio. Um, and I'm an ordained uh, minister in the PCA, uh, which stands for Presbyterian Church in America. So we can get into that a little bit. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah. So like when you were in seminary, you studied uh, counseling, right? Yes. Yeah, so I did a master's of divinity and a master's of counseling.
1: So like you studied medicine, you studied theology, you studied counseling. So like you've studied like everything. <laughs> you've kind of I was a of math studied- major
0: at one point. I, yeah. I, uh yeah, I've I've studied a lot of different things. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Not only you studied God, but you've also
1: studied the entire person. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that, it, that makes me sound a lot smarter than I actually am. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So
1: uh, I, this I, I assume this was probably something you had to like wrestle with, right? So like you were basically born into like your your family as soon as Presbyterian at least in the beginning because you're baptized as a baby.
0: Um, yeah, I mean that's that's a long, very drawn out story, but um, my yeah part like part of my family is Presbyterian, my gotcha. the mom's side of my family, um, my dad's side of my of the family is Presbyterian now, but okay. um, yeah, so it was in in many ways, and that that's what is like interesting about this is that. I was raised Presbyterian, but also in the sense that that baptism was, was told to me as though it was a christening okay. and that I needed to be baptized later on. Um, which is like definitely not typical for, uh, Presbyterians. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I practice my and, my children have been, uh, were baptized as, as babies. And, you know, that was, that, that's a big part of like our family story, like my family. But, um, but in some ways, like I was confused as a child, like what was that thing that happened whenever I was little? Yeah. It's
1: like, I was going to, that's what I was going to, I was going to get to is cause you said you kind of, you, you ended up growing up in the, in the Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think, I think I'm assuming which oh, maybe a mistake okay. that more people are more familiar, maybe with the Baptist understanding of baptism. At mm-hmm. least that probably watched this, maybe. Sure. And so, like, was there like a like wrestle with understanding your baptism, going from like Presbyterian to Baptist to back to Presbyterian, and like,
0: yeah, did that first oh, baptism definitely. count? And like, definitely what was it like to work through that. Definitely. So I I was rebaptized. Well. It was, it was actually told to me that I was baptized for the first time, but then I realized that I was re-baptized. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was baptized at the Baptist Church uh, my senior year of, of high school. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of told like, this is what baptism is. I remember also a youth, like a youth person at the Baptist Church I went to who had like told me to be aware of like Calvinists cause they were like coming to college campuses and that even they could even be in like Baptist ca- college campuses. And so, uh, I obviously didn't take that <laughs> to know, heart because what kind of Baptist church <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, so it, w- it was very interesting because, um, you know, when you, when you grow up in a small town, there are just so many influences and so many voices you hear, especially yeah. when you're a kid. And so, um, so like, religiously, theologically for the longest time, I had an extremely narrow like view of like who God was. And honestly, I didn't even know that much either. Yeah. So um so I I would and and again, like to go back to it, like I was an athlete, I was a jock, I didn't really care about that stuff. Like being a pre-med major meant that I like I was even joking with somebody about this earlier, but seriously, I didn't read a book in college. And then now I read like a couple of books a month, That's amazing. you know? So it's like, it, it was a complete change and a complete turnaround. That's awesome,
1: man. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm impressed that you got through college without reading a book. <laughs> There's a joke that like, if you're, if you're, if you're smart enough, you can get through life without working. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you had mentioned like you had, you were wrestling like with a lot of guilt. Mm. I think it was probably when you are in high school, right? Uh, high school and college. High school and college. Yep. Yeah. And so, like, how did you get, like, can you explain, like, how you kind of got freed from that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one part was just, like, having a good friend. So, it really began, like, my senior year of high school, having a good friend who was on my soccer team, who really, in, in many ways, like, imitated who Jesus was in his kindness. The experiences that I had had with, like... People in youth group, people who called themselves Christian, was that they were two faced and they were hip- hypocritical, or they were really stuck up. And so I just didn't really want anything to do with that like culture, um, either like either three of those cultures, I guess. Um, and so, but I I really found um, just a lot of joy in like being around this guy. And so um, he would do like Bible studies on my soccer team, and I was like, man, this is like. I want to learn from him. I want to know for, know about like more about Jesus. And so, so that it was part of it. And then also being in college and being in mandatory chapels and, you know, being in like being around a lot of Christians where there was just a lot of conversation about, about Jesus in very real ways. And yeah, the spirit was just, uh, you know, convicting me of my sin and also just like, um, some of the wrestlings that I had, yeah. So, yeah.
1: so like I tend to think of it like of people, I guess, in kind of like two different ways. Because like there's 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 no perfect people, right? There's no perfect people. There's no perfect church, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And so there tends to be people who are there who are not perfect, who are sinners, mm-hmm. who don't just don't care. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who who are who have the self awareness, but they don't want to stay where they're at, mm-hmm. and they they want to pursue Christ and they Mm -hmm. want to, to grow in their faith and they don't want to sin anymore. And they they actually want to grow and mature. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're they're both people are sinners, not perfect. Mm. But one of them is like, I don't care. I'm not the problem. Somebody else is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I am a problem and I don't want to be any longer. Mm. It sounds like you started to become maybe around some more of those people and had like the healthy community, that healthy local body. Yeah. uh, Y'all were able to like, sharpen each other mm-hmm. and you were ended up being freed from they helped you be
0: freed from what you were wrestling with yeah that's a, that's a great definition and you know what's interesting is it was I was on a cross country team um, at at Sanford at yeah. the college and we had 13 guys on this team and you know as as I look back on it it was the fall that I spent with those guys from you know mid August to like let's say late November and we like that 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 was a very very formative time for me but it also was like this time where we bonded together really quickly um, and I think it speaks to the necessity of community but also just how like gluey like real like beautiful Christian community can be. Yeah. Like um, there's a better word for it than clue. But you know, like, <laughs> like like there's there there's like this contagious. Yeah, so contagious, cute. but also it was it, it just like made you want to be together and made you want to like um invest in each other. And you know, I was just going through like um Ecclesiastes four with students last night and thinking about like friendship and thinking about like just how good it's you know two or better than one. And, you know, a three, threefold, uh, cord is not easily broken. And just that whole idea, um, can be done in small places and can be done in, in small community and it can be really, really rich there too. So awesome. Man. Yeah. I know like, cause I've seen,
1: I've been a part of like a bunch of like, I guess different churches and I've seen, I've seen like the stories, the, the horror stories you always you hear about them, all the time. And then I've also been a part of uh, churches that where I'm like, I wish everybody could experience what I'm experiencing mm. uh, because then like, I think the the church, at least in the America, cause that's where my experiences. Yeah. Not, not so much would have a better reputation, but like mm. our, like our people, the body of Christ, I want them to be able to experience these things that I've experienced, mm. the good things I'm experiencing. Yeah. The, the body of believers rallying around each other, supporting each other, praying together, eating together, laughing together, crying together, uh, seeing needs seeing needs, and then actually meeting them, mm-hmm. uh, discipling each other, I mean, reading the word together, like all that stuff is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I, I my, my, I wish Christians, that was normal for all Christians. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that's not, that's quite often awesome more than not. That's not always the case.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So yeah, how did and, you end up coming back? Go ahead, man.
0: Oh, I was going to say, you know, and, and, I, and I think one thing too, one of the problems about going to seminary, and maybe you would, you would agree with us, at least in principle, is that you get this like very narrow idea of what you think a church should be. Yeah, And so it's really hard to to like be happy in churches, <laughs> uh, especially if you're not the one like leading and dictating everything. Yeah. Um, and that's like that's always a challenge in my role, because like I attend my family is a member of a church. I'm actually not a member there. Cause that's one of the funky things about Presbyterianism is that we're a member of Presbytery but not a church. And, and yet it's like, we are content in that place and we stay there um, real quick. I'll tell you the story. So we, so lived in Orlando for six years, not an easy time. It was, it, it was a very challenging, we really felt alone in Orlando, but one of the things is that our church, even though it was very imperfect and there were some challenges at the time, they loved us really, really well. Yeah, We left in 2020 during the middle of the pandemic. And this is a beautiful church. And typically they would have just like mm-hmm. had this big celebration for us, but it was like lockdown essentially. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of like left in the wind. And um, we went back a couple of weeks ago for a wedding in Orlando. And it was amazing to see how many people had seen us for the first time in what, almost three years. Yeah. And we're just like open, em- openly embracing us. And it would be very easy for me to sit here and like knock off all of the ways that they're imperfect yeah, and that they like, aren't living out the great commission, blah, 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 blah. But um yeah. like, there's, there's just something beautiful about a church who like really embraces people. Right. And um so I like, I'm more content with less, I would say, <laughs> um, because of that experience, but also just like really grateful that there are churches where like you can be loved. And yeah, um, yeah. one of the cool things about my role is that I don't have like Sunday, I, I don't have a, an official role on Sunday, so I get to preach out at a lot of different churches. So we can talk about that later, but I've I've definitely seen a broad landscape of Presbyterian and Reformed churches and it's been really cool it's been humbling to see that too. No, nah, I look forward to getting that here in a little bit. Yeah.
1: So I guess in a sense, man, how did you get back to your roots?
0: Uh, Presbyterian yeah. roots. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so when I went to college in Birmingham, um, I lived with my grandparents. That was one of the ways I could afford going to Sanford. <clears throat> and they were members, um, essentially founding members at Briarwood Presbyterian, which is, Uh, one of if not the largest uh, church in the PCA. And um, I just kind of like went there with them. And so it was an easy way to go there. I remember there was one Sunday where the pastor was like, Okay, I'm preaching on predestination this week. (laughs) And that was one of the words that I heard that I need to stay away from. And I was like, Oh, man, this is not going to be good. And it ended up like, really challenging me. And I've, was really grateful that like, that's how, that's how God functions with his plan. Um, and so yeah, um, it it took a little while and there, there were, as a college student, I'm I'm sure you may have been like this at some, some extent, you kind of like fish around at different things, but I just kept going back to that church. Um, and so that's, yeah, that, that's essentially the story. Um, and then I ended up going to the, the denominational seminary of the PCA, uh, covenant seminary. Cause I, th- I felt like I needed to know enough about what, uh, pre- like the PCA believes in Presbyterianism. Um, so I wanted to make sure to be like taught by people who were Presbyterian. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was even a- as late as like my first year of seminary, I was, you know, debating, like, what do I think about baptism and um, kind of landed on covenant baptism or, you know, um, pedo baptism, infant baptism um, as, you know, what I, what I believed in. So. Gotcha. Yep. Mm
1: -hmm. So how did, um, I think, I think it's fascinating that the pastor would have to announce he's talking about predestination at a PCA church. I think that's interesting. I can see that being like a common thing in a Baptist church or like a non-denominational church, Um, but like that's kind of like a a key thing within a PCA church is the is predestination, and so like, but how did you how did you come from, I guess, dreading or viewing predestination as a as a cuss word, I guess, to Mm -hmm. like studying it, understanding it, and I guess not just embracing it, but like loving it, yeah.
0: Um, it's a good question. I, I I think it's, you know, it, it depends on how long you want to go back on the story. But um, because I think that there was a there was a time where I was a cage stage where I was like, if you're, you know, if if you don't believe in tulip, like how dare you uh, <laughs> even step foot in a church? Um, <clears throat> to to the point of really understanding that like predestination is is so much a part of like the foundation of what like the reform beliefs and even like Westminster Confession is like based on, and so it's it's just kind of like an underlying. Um, Assumption is probably not the right word, but but it yeah. really is kind of the foundation of which everything is built on. Um, I think that the the context of of that church in Birmingham was that there were a lot of people who, um, in practice, were Baptists, um, and so, you know, I I think that that is why it was like announced that way, and and I and I think it was probably helpful because there was more than just one person in there that would have been like, oh. <gasps> predestination you know um so anyway i um yeah so i think that's kind of like where where that went and then as i began to understand what predestination really was i didn't i really began to study like who god is and i began to see god less as like if predestination is true, then it's not just him trying to be some kind of like meanie, but really him having like a loving heart and as a father, this is this is part of his provision for me, yeah, um, and provision for the world and creation and you know all of that. So, nice um, yeah,
1: meanie is such a nicer word than what I've heard some other people say. <laughs> I remember when I uh, so like when I was after so like I was. I was saved when I was eighteen, freshman in college, and um, I didn't know what predestination meant. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't know what that meant. Didn't know what election meant. Didn't know what almost anything meant. Yeah, I think I was a. It was about. I was about a year into my faith before I was able to like say, "Okay, I believe in like the Trinity." Mm-hmm. But like, one of the first questions I had was about like freedom versus God's control. Mm-hmm. Like, what are one of my choices? What is my freedom? If God's in control, then why do I have these choices? Why do I have why am I yeah. why do I have these decisions? Because like people always say like oh well, don't worry about God's control like every every almost all Christians say that yeah but if you ask them to break that down they get hissy mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so I, I remember going to like a college retreat in Fort Worth and the bus asking lies like how do how do I have these choices or free will mm-hmm. and like God is in control and people nearly threw up. because like i don't there's somebody said like i don't know how you could even have the audacity to ask such a question Mm. and like i'm like and i'm like maybe a couple years a couple months into the faith yeah and i was like all right fine Mm -hmm. like that's fine we won't talk about that stuff (laughs) yeah (laughs) like y'all the only people i've got to talk about it with and if i can't talk about it with y'all then i guess i'm not going to talk about it Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until a couple years later till uh i actually started getting discipled by somebody that they were excited that mm-hmm. there's somebody who like was willing to talk about those things, wanting yeah. like to um, flesh out their theology and yeah. and that kind of thing, man. Mm-hmm. And so it was. I want to have enough self awareness that I think I went through a cage stage mm-hmm. era. I th- I'm pretty sure I did. I'm just blind to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because a lot of like I kept wanting to like have these conversations, debates, and as I made new friends and who were excited about their faith and Mm -hmm. wanted to reach the campus, that kind of thing. A lot of them don't want to talk about it with me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, I was probably part of the problem there. Um, but like for, like for me and probably I assume you as well, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of like, there's hope in knowing that God has chosen Mm -hmm. and elected us Mm -hmm. because if he doesn't like, we're kind of screwed because we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not without his, him intervening on our behalf and like, I like how, like, Matthew Henry says, like, God made us believe.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm like, I got peace in that. Yeah. I got a lot of peace in that because, like, I know, like, my flesh is, like, wants to, like, run the other direction. Yeah, absolutely. So God keeps, God just grabbed me and pull me towards him. And I'm like, mm-hmm.
0: that's good news. And, like, I'm thankful that I'm, I'm not in control of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's, I, I, would, I would say that I lean more into, like, reading the Bible and trying to understand the Bible on its own terms and, and, um, theologically, you know, trying to understand it like by using terminology. I think one of the things that especially like cage stage Calvinists get like in trouble with is that they try to, they try to like insist that their theology fits into the Bible rather than the other way around. And so, um, you know, I mean, and, and I, I have to lean into like mystery as, as a, you know, part of like, just not understanding the will of God and not yeah. understanding like every particular thing. And even, and even like, I internally hesitated when saying like, and I began to know more about God. And I was just thinking like, I wasn't even like really understanding it. I was just understanding like small parts of theology. But, um but that, but that's like a really key part, I think of just having like, you know, Christian and theological humility is to say like, and, and I there, there was a professor that was very influential for me in seminary who would say that one of the best answers that you can give people is I don't know. Yeah. In part because you 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 don't want them to follow you, you want them to follow Jesus, but also you have like it models some humility to say like, yes, I've studied this stuff, and it th- there's it's complicated and or it's just. Like, not like it's not perfectly known for us to answer that question. So, well, like, when you're like sitting at the table, like with college students
1: mm-hmm. who, um, probably a lot of them are probably new to the faith. Um, even the ones who probably aren't new probably didn't read the Bible growing up. Correct. I'm just, I've never met your students. I'm just going based off of like, I feel like I know the culture well enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you're hitting it on that. So, like, when, when you, you studied, like, apparently everything. And when you, can say, <laughs> <laughs> when you can say, I don't know, then, like, well, like, wow, like, even he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's okay to not, yep. the mystery of God is, like, it's an okay thing to have. Mm-hmm. And yep. same thing with, like, with pastors who have 12 PhDs mm-hmm. and 39 books yeah, in sorry. six months. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> when they can say, like, I don't know, they're like, okay, wow, God is that big. Mm-hmm. And, like, in the West, man, we have a hard time with I don't know. Yeah, we like to have the answers for everything. Yeah, we've had a lot of answers for a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and we have a tendency to have a the struggle with not with God there being a mystery of God. Yeah, which I think the first believers were did better with than than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even like I have a hard time with I don't know man like mm-hmm. I don't like not knowing things. Yeah, and it's a wrestle for me to be okay like with with the mystery at times. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, at the same no, I am a no yep. at all. I do want to, I do want to make that <laughs> clarify. Like, I, I want you to know that I, I love to have answers. I love to be able to, I mean, it, it, it's actually really sweet to be able to have a conversation with a student yeah. to be able to explain to them. Like, for instance, I was able to explain double imputation to students yesterday, one of whom had never heard of that before. Break that down. Um, so <laughs> the idea of, of Jesus taking on our sin and okay. him giving his righteousness to us. And one student who had just become a believer had never heard that. He only thought that we like that. Jesus took on our sin. And so he was freed of that, and so he was thankful of it. He had never heard that like Jesus's righteousness is given to us. Yeah. And so, the that that Which idea news, was amazing. Yeah. Like like in in many ways, he lit up. And yeah. so it was exciting, and it and it's really fun to do that. Yeah. And it, and my pride loves it too. But <laughs> I I think that like my my call on campus is not to do that all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and if that is my call on campus, I probably need to leave. <laughs> um, because yeah, I, I will, I, I will make it all about me Yeah, and I, I will make it all about following me instead of following Jesus. Yeah. I definitely don't want to like, I don't want to take anything away from the
1: importance of teaching for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, man, there was something else I want to go back to, but we missed it. <laughs> But um you wanna share a little bit about what the Westminster Confession is?
0: Yeah, so um it was so it's a document that was written in the 1640s. Um, and it is it's the document that is like the standards by which like uh, the the PCA has as it's like theological standards. Um so the Westminster Confession for, for us, I would say is, is definitely not equal to the the Bible. I think that's, that's a really, that that's the first thing that I make sure to help students understand, um, cause they're the ones that are most prone in my opinion, uh, in my experience to like want to make that everything. So they're not, they're not equal to the Bible, but they're a helpful guide. They're good guardrails, uh, for us to understand theologically, like, What we believe, what is uh essentially what is reformed theology. Um, and it's particular for like Presbyterian um beliefs. Um so as a PCA minister, um by the way, do you want me to explain what the PCA is too? Cause I because I realize that we're in Texas and there's probably not a lot of people who know what the PCA is. I think there's like twelve
1: PCA churches in Texas.
0: (laughs) Um I thought about that earlier.
1: But I was like, I don't want to feel like we have to define everything. That's okay. But I mean, since you mentioned it, it's probably
0: a good idea. I always define everything because I always assume that no one knows anything. So the PCA is Presbyterian Church in America. Uh, just notice Tim Keller's um, <laughs> denomination. I absolutely love Tim Keller or R.C. Sproul, if you like R.C. Sproul. Uh, I got to meet him right before he passed away That's when awesome. I was in Florida. Um you know, it is a very small denomination. I think that's something to be said. I it's bet a you really there. One though, man. Yeah, I bet you there are more Baptists in South Texas than there are Presbyterians in the United States. PCA Presbyterians. We have about three hundred sixty thousand PCA members. So it's tiny compared to how big the U.S. is, uh, how big the SBC is. Um, but in terms of like presbyterians are generally um more educated are generally like writing a lot are generally involved with a lot of conversations debates anyway so so there is you're you're right in saying that like they're influential um but in the scope of Christianity in the US in particular we're small um and so yeah so that's the that's the denomination that I come from um i have I've had a lot of really interesting conversations about this. I'll, I'll add this to, um, I'm Presbyterian because that's the family, that that's the crazy family that I just belong with. Um, and that I still belong to. Um, but because I went to a Southern Baptist church, I actually have a lot of Baptist friends. Um, I connected with John cause he reached out to me. He, he failed to mention this on messenger randomly and we connected that way. And so I met this stranger at this, uh, coffee shop. And I, he didn't even have a clear picture on his Facebook profile. So I had no (laughs) idea what he, what he really was going to look like. Um, and yeah, so like I really in, in practicing like Christianity, I really want to be like ecumenical in my practice and in the sense that I want to believe that like Jesus works past the PCA, um, and even Reformed, you know, like reformed people. Um, and so like I have pretty broad friendships and even I try to read pretty broadly too. Um, I try to read Christians (laughs) who are in (laughs) churches. Um, but I also, you know, I, I, I know people in a lot of different denominations who I really respect and really like value their their thoughts. And we would, we would differ in a lot of different ways, um, you know, pretty broadly, but, um, yeah, I mean, in one practice, um, was that I was part of an Ash Wednesday service with the Episcopal group on campus, um, at, uh, at UCF whenever I was there in Florida. And it was actually a really cool and really beautiful service. Um, the details of which, at times, I would I was like nervous about because I didn't understand it. But looking at it uh, from like a thirty thousand foot view, I could definitely appreciate and say like Jesus was glorified in this. And so, um, so that was that was really cool and and really helpful. So nice man. Yeah. Anyway, went off on a rabbit trail there, but that's cool. Like
1: I have had I haven't I haven't had a choice throughout most of like. My Christian life and my life, like church planning and pastoring, I haven't had a choice but to exist ecumenically. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like where I was, there wasn't any other like really like reformed churches. Yeah. And like Reformed in itself is kind of an ecumenical term. Mm-hmm. And so, but like, there wasn't a PCA church where like where yep. I was church planning at, there wasn't a reformed uh, Baptist church, there wasn't anything like that. It was a lot of evangelical churches. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I had no choice, but to like, I have no choice, but to focus on like the, the course of essentials, like the apostles creed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I was like, okay, we've got common ground there. Then like this exists together and let's, right. let's watch God, God, do things that he does. Yep. And so like, that's been kind of like what I've kind of have had to do. Mm-hmm. And so like, but like there's like you were saying, man, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of beauty in that. Yeah. And like, you've got me connected to a couple people here in San Antonio Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to have uh lunches with people from different traditions and backgrounds and mm-hmm. we've been able to come together and celebrate things that God is doing. Yeah. And that's right. and it's fantastic. Yeah. Um it's nice to like I guess to have a tribe mm-hmm. that you can get together with and focus on like the more the more like secondary doctrines that you hold dear and totally. enjoy those things together. Yep. But there's also value in like getting within the broader umbrella mm-hmm. and celebrating things together as well. Yeah. And Absolutely. Like, a lot of people are going to be really confused in heaven Mm -hmm. with who they're going to be uh, sitting at the table with. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, and, and this is something that's like coming to South Texas has been really good and convicting for me. Um, I've begun to like learn about like Pentecostalism in South Texas. And um, at first I was completely skeptical of it because I I just had like very strong lines of like what was true and what was like the gospel essentially. And, um, and as I've learned more about it and as I've met more people and as I've talked about it, I have honestly, have honestly had to be humbled and say like God is doing something here. Um, for instance, the largest ministry at UTSA's campus by a long shot is the Pentecostal ministry. Yeah. Um, and in meeting you know, a number of those students, I don't say like that person is definitely not a Christian, right. you know? Um, and so there, there's there's something that's happening there. And uh, I think it was actually Tim Keller. He's, he's come and spoken at like RUF trainings before. And he he was the first person that I had ever heard of say, we need to see what's happening in the Pentecostal church, pray for it, and in in some way, like learn from it but also just like witness how God is at work there. Um, and that was really humbling to hear from an insanely smart guy and, uh, from a guy who has devoted his entire life to being in the PCA as well. Um, and a cessationist, you know, uh, to throw out another term for the, for the podcast today. But, uh, you know, so, so anyway, there, I, I really do think that there is like a humility that Jesus calls us to. Um, that we'll continue to learn in our life. Um, what is this? What is this cessationism? Cessationism is the, uh, gosh, I'm not going to be able to define it really like perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have even said it. Um, it is, There's people uh, that
1: don't believe that God works miraculously
0: anymore. Right essentially yeah that there's i was joking (laughs) (laughs) thank you for for tripping me up on my own words um yeah that um that the gifts of the spirit um that there are uh that there are gifts which have ceased to uh exist and they ceased um, with the apostles yeah past the apostles yes and those would be like speaking in tongues miraculous (laughs) healings Y- yes for the sake of worship yeah yeah okay. yeah because mm-hmm. yeah, um, we could say that we're speaking in tongues if you say something mean in spanish <laughs> <laughs> would you say there's a misunderstanding about what that word means uh, cessationism yeah. or tongues oh, yes geez, cessationism <laughs> <laughs> um yes uh because i think that the the assumption is that these are people who don't believe that jesus says miraculous things um and that he is, uh, and, and that we just need to be really educated <laughs> in our, in our Christianity. Um, and, and I, I also think that, that, that also bleeds into this idea that like, like that the Christians that are cessationists are also not looking for God to work in yeah. miraculous ways. Um, and I've, I'm longing for him to work in miraculous ways. If he converts one person to RUF this summer semester, that's miraculous. Um, so that's kind of why I always um, have an issue with the term miraculous.
1: Yeah. Like, well, God, the miraculous gifts don't exist anymore. Yeah, that's right. More, more. I always have an issue when people say that when people use that word. Cause to me, that's a, that's a broad thing. Like, I think yeah. my salvation is a, is a miracle. Absolutely. My sanctification yeah. is a miracle. Yeah. Um, I think when like, I am more, the moments that I am just a tiny bit more concerned about the edification of the body than myself, that's a miracle. Yeah. Or more concerned about a lost person, like that's a miracle. And yeah. whenever mm-hmm. I show hints of like generosity and yeah. fruits of the spirit, I think those are miraculous things the spirit is doing. Yeah. And so I always have an issue when people use that term very close-knit to yeah. just meet a
0: couple of gifts. Yeah. No, that's true. That's, yeah, that's a good, it's a good response. So you're a cessationist? Uh, yeah. In the sense of (laughs) that's, uh, that's the way, uh, that's the way that I would believe. Do you have to be one to be PCA? Uh, yes. I mean, you would, you would have to like majorly explain. Um, and so I, I will say this Have to probably wasn't a fair way to put it. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a cessationist except in extraordinary conditions. Do I do I believe that do I believe that God can work through tongues and, you know, through, like, words that are prophetic? Sure. But, like, do I believe that there are prophets that are telling the future and that are, you know, like, going to say things that are speaking the, the name of God? No, I don't. Because okay. I think that the the Bible was completed with Revelation. Gotcha. All right. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think we got enough to rabbit trail. So I want to back up for just a minute unless yeah. you're done with this uh, Westminster confession. Um should people read it?
0: Yes. Yeah. I think they okay. I'm gonna caveat that. Yes and or. Okay. Um if if you want to if you want to have a good understanding of like these are kind of like the blanket beliefs of Reformed Christians, because I I even think like Reformed Baptists would not not one hundred percent agree with it, but but agree with a lot of it. Um, it it's a great document. I would hope so, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a great document. If you want, if if you want a better um, document for devotional purposes, I would go to the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism. It's actually something I'm doing, um, help helping my church what with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm bringing in more definitions. You opened open the can, man. You said you like to I define do. everything. <laughs> That's right. I do. I do. Well, it's all my education, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Heidelberg Catechism. I honestly didn't know that much about it until I was um, until I was in seminary. But it is significantly more devotional. I mean, the first question, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Like, there are no questions. There's nothing that's that emotionally, as emotionally gripping and as beautiful in its words as the, as like inside the Westminster Confession. And so as a document, the Westminster Confession is really great. As a devotional tool, reading something like the Heidelberg Catechism, like just makes your heart want to jump. And so... Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm helping take our church through that. Nice one. So, yeah. And it's actually an older document too. It was written in the 1500s. So, so you would say the Heidelberg is probably more go to that first before the Westminster. Um, It it depends on who you are. So if you're, if you're the guy who, you know, likes reading John Owen, likes reading like, you know, really getting into, you know, some thick theology, goes to the Westminster Confession. Um, but if you're, if you're more, I hate to say it, more devotionally driven, but especially like for like a secular person, like if, you know, if I have a student come to faith, they really want to know more about theology. I'm going to send them to Heidelberg before I'm going to send them to Westminster. Um, But Westminster is like it it lays out a ton of like really, really good information. It's extremely thorough. Um, So it gives you a very thorough understanding of um, of the the good news of the gospel of like a more Presbyterian, more Reformed understanding of theology. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read the Heidelberg Catechism? I've read chunks of it, not I haven't okay. read all of it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Cool. I should though. I need to go finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've read like the shorter Westminster Catechism. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the whole thing yet. Yeah. Um, I need to. I think I'm like I'm finishing the uh, I'm finishing the 1689. Okay. And so I think one of the things that a lot of people who don't probably understand history well know, they don't understand that the like the Westminster Confession 1689 were intended to show unity, not division. Mm-hmm. And like, and the, one of the misunderstandings that people have about theology is that theology is in, is intended to create, to build walls mm-hmm. and to create barriers and create division. Yeah. When that's, I don't know, it's, it's a shame that, we, that so many people think that, mm-hmm. um, which means that some of our leaders haven't probably done a good job at times. Yeah. But like theology is the study of God. And if our, the building up of our theology cannot, there's, there's, there's a place for barriers. I want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. There's a place for barriers. I think we made that clear earlier. Um, but like the study of God should not build up a whole lot of walls with other believers. But there should be, we should be able to find unity in, in a lot of things. Yep. And I think like the, 16, the 1689 Baptist Confession um, and the Westminster were written to show the unity within the reformed people
0: of that time. Okay. And like yeah, I have not read sixteen eighty-nine. Here here's one thing that I will say about Westminster is that it's clearly written as a differentiation between Protestant theology and Catholic theology. Yeah. And one of the things that people today struggle with that is that unless you're in a a very particular context, that is not the struggle that you're dealing with. Yeah. Your your struggle is secularism. Versus yeah. Christianity, and um, so that like that that context is really important. And theology is always written in a context, like yeah. even even Augustine, who I really love as um, you know a fifth century author, had the context of the Roman Empire that he's writing in, and so he isn't devoid of that. Um, so so like we we can kind of struggle when we when we walk into Westminster, and there there are parts of it where. There's the assumption that by being a part of a community, you're a part of that church because something akin to like the parish system was at play in in uh, Great Britain at that time. That's no longer the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how many of your neighbors attend church. Very few of mine do. Yeah. And we're in San Antonio, Texas. And so like we're not in like the Northeast where right. like my wife's family are. And so um, so that assumption is is very hard. Um, and so I mean that, that's even something that like there's the the new city catechism that um doesn't have as much of that like Catholic versus Protestant like underbelly to it um and there's there's some other things that have that have been written that are that are really trying to show like the goodness and the beauty of Jesus in light of a secular context um so yeah so I haven't read the new city catechism mm-hmm uh, I'm assuming I should. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you have. Uh, yeah. And my my kids go through it every nice. Sunday as well. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's it's 52 weeks, so it's, um, yeah, so you can do one a week and get it in a year. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So you said pretty
0: earlier that we were
1: too harsh when we talked about the Asbury revival. Mm-hmm.
0: Why is that too critical, critical? Is what I said. I didn't say harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Words matter, right, John? Um, I do. Yeah. So, um, and and the reason that I say that is that I can often be critical, and and I think yeah. that I, again, am am speaking to my own like disposition toward things where you know from from the outside you're hearing like there's this pouring of the holy spirit happening um yeah I think there's a couple of things that that I would say and and it's not in response to like any of the content that you guys said I thought that was good one is that as far as I know the only people that have been critical of the asbury confession are other Christians asbury what uh, the <laughs> <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> the Asbury, <laughs> the Asbury revival, um, as it's as it's being known, um, are are Christians, and um, I think that in America we have a tendency to like bite each other. That's fair. And I have been in so many contexts where. It 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 feels like Christians are the ones that are at each other constantly. Yeah. A, a second one that just happened is you know there there were uh, I think a couple of like Super Bowl spots for the He Gets Us campaign. I don't know the content of it. I've you know I've I've watched some of the commercials. I don't fully agree with it. Um, one of my responses to that is uh, I'm really grateful that they were there and not Pornhub. Um, yeah. and so there's a sense where like, you know, Jesus is, is being talked about and I actually I also like without even knowing that, and I had that comment elsewhere that, uh, like I have, I have a friend who's part of a church in Missouri who helps sponsor, he gets us. And then the he gets us people, whoever they are actually like push people from his, his part of Missouri like his way to his church. And so it's a, it's an entity in and of itself, but it really wants to try to get people who are curious about Jesus into churches. Um, and I wasn't aware of that until he had said something about it. Um, so, you know, there are these two things that are happening right now that in some way, it's like, God is somehow moving through those things. And I don't fully understand this. And I don't, and and I'm probably not going to participate in this, but, like I, I just kind of want to be open to the potential of like God working and God moving through that. So I think that 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 was kind of my that was my posture toward it, um, and my hope that it would be, it would be, you know that God would be at work there. Yeah. So that's weird. Yeah. <clears throat> so like, does that make sense? No, no. Do you, yeah, do for you have sure. any questions about that?
1: Um. Yeah. So after we started talking, I remember you and I had a very brief exchange on Facebook about the whole He Gets Us thing. And so my my mental note was, I was going to ask you about that also. Okay. Um, but since we're talking about the whole, like, the Asbury revival thing, I think, I don't know if i I think I mentioned it earlier that I tend to be like, I'm skeptical of almost all things. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I am skeptical about the, about the event. Uh, but I, in my skepticism, I try to be like hope like hopeful at the same time yeah and my whole one of my deals is is like i don't think we should call it a revival because we don't just we don't know yet okay and it's like we don't know because we won't be able to witness a lot of the fruits till years down the road sure and so like that's part of my deal okay is like i don't think like during the first great awakening they're like there's a great awakening happening right now Mm. but it's like we saw the fruit from that later on down down the road yeah. and a lot of great things came out of that um, and so like I, I'm skeptical because of like the school's affiliations within theology and that kind of thing like they're the traditions are affiliated with um, have a lot of a, like what we call, probably call heresy like I think like that school's affiliated with like the holiness, Mm-hmm. And that part of their doctrine is a sin perfectionism mm-hmm. and like that kind of like, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. I don't think you probably are either. Yeah. No. And so that kind of was like, well, I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were honest about how they said it was fully organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause we learned that there was a mass email that went out that told students mm-hmm. to go there and the thing happened. So that kind of bothered me. Cause it wasn't, I don't think that was kind of like a, that was like, it wasn't a scheduled event, but after like a handful of students stayed and prayed and sang songs the president was like, hey, there's students here doing that. Y'all should go be part of that. Mm-hmm. And then the thing took off. Yeah. And so that kind of felt like a a political, like a political thing. Like politicians are really good about telling the truth and lying at the same time. Mm-hmm. I kind of like got that vibe from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like part of my deal is I don't see like when I look at scripture, I don't see like, especially like when you look at like the New Testament, the missionary journeys of the apostles, they're not trying to start revivals. Right. But in the U in the U.S. within like a lot of our Christian subcultures, church subcultures, mm-hmm. there's this desire to always like, how can we create a new revival and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, which I think kind of comes from Charles Finney. Mm-hmm. And like I've mentioned, we've mentioned Charles Finney a lot in previous episodes. Yeah, yeah. And so like, I'm not really cool with Charles Finney and his practices. And yeah, I former Presbyterian right.
0: <laughs> as well. Former.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was removed, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. good reason, uh-huh. and like I see a lot of his practices in this, and that mm-hmm. bothers me. Sure. Now, like God is sovereign; we both believe that mm-hmm. God works during in God works miracles. Yeah. During all sorts of situations, mm-hmm. and like, but like, there's a lot of times where God works a miracle, but just because God worked a miracle in that event doesn't mean we should make that event a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites is. And not that I'm saying the Asbury is equal to this, but like I've heard testimonies of dudes waking up after a night with hookers and cocaine and yep. they just wake up bawling and like God saves them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we need to go start that ministry. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. 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 Not that I'm saying this is equal to that.
0: Yeah.
1: But like there's um so like I'm just like, let's wait before we deem this this thing, let's wait to later down the sure. road and see like yeah. what is the fruit from this.
0: Yeah. Um the timing, I, I, I do want to interject this. I think the timing of this is really interesting because the Methodist Church is going through a very, very slow break.
1: The United very Methodist slow.
0: Church is going through an insanely slow break. I I have no idea why, and I'm not sure how closely you follow this or people will sing on, but, like, I think. but, but the African Church in many ways like saved the United Methodist Church from yeah. going toward like just complete um, unorthodoxy. Let's yeah. just put it that way. That's right. um, and, you know, it's like, it, it's really interesting, even thinking of like the seamless perfectionism and like Wesleyan theology, because John Wesley like wrote most of the hymns that Presbyterians sing. And so his theology wasn't like just completely like off. <laughs> um, but I but I do think um <laughs> There, like, and I, I don't like out of God's mercy. I think he like preserved a lot of like really beautiful stuff in Africa and other places, um, within the Methodist church. And I had a great, great grandfather who was a Methodist, um, circuit rider as well. And so there's like the, the Methodist church, like, isn't just this completely heretical out there group of people. And so, like here is this like very, very long break that's happened. And then Asbury is like the seminary where most or like a large portion of Methodists and also Episcopalian. I'm not sure if you knew that, um, people are trained up. And so, um, yeah, I like, it. it it's just very interesting, like why God would choose now. And what, you know, um, if, if it is, if it isn't a true revival, it would actually be like a very, very sad thing, I think. That would be um, sad, I man, yeah. It would, it would, yeah. it would be a very, very sad thing if it was like artificial and produced. I think that one of the concerns that I have, especially being a campus minister right now during this revival, is that now there are whispers all around, UTSA included, of like, okay, how can we do this here? So that's that's not a good thing to me. Yeah, because that like that's where I think that you do start seeing artificial revivals, and we see that happening
1: a lot right now, right? Yep. There's like mm-hmm. all these uh, college campuses that all of a sudden revival is all of a sudden like revival is starting on college campuses and some other different organization type yep. things, and I, I see that and I'm just like I'm skeptical, man. Like I have a hard yeah. time celebrating those things. Yeah, I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Also. Yeah,
0: and and I think that the hope is that. and and this is kind of like where my practice lies here is like, I want to continue to pray and encourage and, you know, cheerlead on the ministries and the people who are doing good work on the campus. But I don't want to play as though, like we're all just going to like huddle together and do this big prayer meeting. And that there like, there's going to be something that happens identical to what it happens there and in other places. Um, and, And I think, One of the fears of that is that, well, if it doesn't happen here, then what's wrong with San Antonio? What's wrong with UTSA? And I I think what's really going to happen is like ministers will say, what's wrong with me? And they're going to burn out and they're going to be frustrated and they're going to be sad. And that is like the last thing (laughs) that ministers and campus ministries need right now because like – there's about to be and there's coming and already is a little bit of like a minister crisis in terms of like the number of people are actively doing ministry in churches and on campus. And um, it's just going to continue to get worse. And so that's one side of, of the story that I've heard from people who are. Critical of this on the revival side is they're like this is going to be really hard for people that don't feel that internal thing and don't experience what's happening in Asbury. So I just gave you both sides. of the- <laughs> See, and I didn't even thought about. It. I haven't thought about
1: it from the perspective of like the like college ministers. Yeah. So like that's that's unfortunate. That's mm-hmm. not. I can see that being a problem, like you're saying. Yeah. One of the things, and I mentioned this before, is that kind of because like i look at it like as a as a a, okay the culture of the church in the united states and like i look at the asbury revival thing and i see like there's an there's a an issue like within like the church culture in the u.s because like i see that like this tells us like to me this tells us something about the way we understand faith and the way we understand god and the holy spirit especially like I like, it has to be an event like that for me yeah. to truly experience the presence of God. And I have to go to Asbury to truly experience God. And especially the Holy Spirit. Right. When the whole, if the whole, cause the Holy spirit is present there. I don't want to say if the Holy spirit is present there, cause yeah. the spirit is present, but like, it's not no more present there than it is like right here on this patio mm-hmm. or down the road or at, yeah. Yeah, at the church that you attend or the church that I'm a, I, I attend that I'm a part of. Yeah. And but there's this really bad understanding of God, where it's like it has to be it's at that place, and I need to go there so I can hear from God. Yeah. That's that's a problem. Yeah. And like, what's wrong with me? Kind of like what you're saying. What's wrong with my ministry? Because Mm -hmm. the Spirit isn't present here, but it's present there. Yeah. Which it's not true, man. Like right, right. Y'all have like however many students y'all have, Mm -hmm. and God is doing great miraculous work there. Yeah. We don't need to be jealous of that. We don't need to seek that because God is doing what he's going to do right here. And he yep. already is doing it. Yep. And that's part of like my, like my credit, I guess if it's a criticism, I guess critique, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Is that right there? It's like, people need to understand that God is presence. God is moving during your, what you would perceive as your boring, regular everyday life. Yeah. It's with you in the cars, with you in your house. He's with you at your church. He's with, like, yeah. he's always, he's always there. He doesn't, he's not, mm-hmm. doesn't fail to believe there to be there just because, there's not millions of people watching your life. You should
0: be thankful. (laughs) Yeah. People are not watching and dissecting your life. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. That's, that's a good word. And you know, like we have celebrity culture in America and, and we, we also love, uh, Oh my gosh, there's this quote. I used to use it all the time. Um, from Nike town in Chicago, Illinois, there's, there was this quote from like 2008 that has always stuck in my mind. And it said, you know, Europe has its cathedrals and that's what, uh, that's, that's it's cityscape. Uh, in America, we have our stadiums and I thought, yes, that's our places of worship. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now in Europe, obviously many of those cathedrals are relics now and they're museums and, you know, they're, they're places of, of seeing good art and things like that. Um, but you know, I, I, I think that that, that's really at the heart of what a lot of people think that that, that we need. Um, and there's always, so what, one of the unique things about being a campus minister is that you you have to be, I'll just say, you have to be wise with certain things. So there's every single year when I was at University of Central Florida, 80,000 students, there would be this push to get one big event where all of the ministries there were like 40 of us together to do this one big gigantic worship you know set together and the the thought was we're gonna pour all this money in and we're gonna see thousands of students come and hear the gospel of jesus and my critique of it was but what if they don't and could we actually like spread out around around the campus and like get to know students on their own terms instead of having to invite them into this entertainment um and then you have this sense where there's usually like one ministry or one, um, one group who gets to like lead it. And so it's their like theology, but also their understanding of like what to do, their music, all that stuff. Um, and so we don't get to appreciate the variety of the church. Um, and I, I would say this all the time that in a city of 70,000 people, so my friend lives in Burlington, Vermont, you would expect 40 churches um, or more, probably more in Texas. Um, and you know, why not expect 40 ministries to function on their own? We don't just want to like bring one min, like one church together to have this huge presence, uh, in the city. And so I'm hearing a lot more. I bring that up, uh, because I'm hearing a lot more of that now of like, we just need to have like one big prayer gathering. We need to have one big worship thing together in the gym or, you know, um somewhere somewhere substantial and you know it's all about like if if they the the idea is if they see us worshiping together people will flock to it um and and i'm i'm skeptical of that
1: yeah man i I would be too because but like the thing what's funny is it seems like sometimes the things that aren't inherently bad can seem like they do a lot of like damage. Yeah. There's nothing. That's a great way to put it. That is a great way (laughs) to put it. Yeah. About thousands of college students or ministries worshiping together. That's Mm -hmm. actually an awesome thing. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with thousands of people, hopefully hearing the gospel together, Mm -hmm. worshiping together, praying together, like not just as a big group, but meeting new people and sharing life together and then praying in groups together. Like those are all good, really great things. Mm -hmm. But like, I remember when I was in college, we would always go to big conferences. And like in that – that, when you're in that moment – first of all, when you're in that moment, you're not in real life.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you're getting a glimpse of something that will soon – you're getting a, mm-hmm. a very tiny glimpse of the future. Yeah. But you're not yep. living in real life. And in that – when you're at those events or sort those of conferences, like everything's different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like you just you, – you feel different. And I think that's part of the problem. But yeah. like you, you leave, like they say, like you leave on fire. That's always, it's always on fire. Mm-hmm. You go back to real life and then you slowly go back to the person you were before you went to the event or that conference. Mm-hmm. And I remember having that conversation with my friends in college. like, man, like, okay, we're going, we're going to this conference. And we're, last year we talked about like how it was great there, but we went back to regular life and we kind of fell back into bad habits and all oh. that kind of stuff. How do we change that this time? Mm. and they never, we never did Yeah. And so like, if you get this, you've up this culture where you're always chasing excitement. You're always chasing yep. that next event, that next conference. And, um, that's not, that's not like the life of a Christian. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the life of the apostles. It was the life of the first church that like, that's never been like our life. Yeah. But like, we built this culture where we're chasing like this, uh, extraordinary feeling, Mm-hmm. and like i think that's part of the reason i'm skeptical about like asbury and that's yeah. why i'm skeptical about these things like all those things aren't inherently bad but they tend to do long damage because people are like well what's wrong with me what's wrong with my life what yeah. am i doing wrong mm-hmm. and like i mean like the life is like the life this life is a struggle yeah it, it is it's, it's a battle between like it's you're battling your flesh like all the time
0: mm-hmm
1: but that's why it's important to be like with your regular ordinary local body of people where you get together, you're fighting a lot of, not the exact same thing, but similar things. Mm -hmm. You come together, you pray, you worship, you dig into the word and you also just like enjoy life together.
0: Yeah. Um, One of the things that I wanted to say too is like, yes, everything you said. One thing that I've really tried to encourage my students is first of all, I never want them to say anything critical about another ministry ever because I, I, like if, if you're a Christian ministry on campus, like my hope and, and really like, I, I think it's true is that they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Yeah, And because, because I feel that way about like you know, the other things that we talked about, like, I I don't feel like we need to have like a negative, you know, posture towards them, but actually to have like friendships, who with people who are Christians of other denominations, I like, I'm kind of hoping we model, we're modeling that here, and having this conversation. And I feel like this podcast has done a good job of modeling that and saying, like, There can be, you can have friendships outside of your church, outside of your circle, outside of your book club, outside of people that, (laughs) that believe the same things. Um, and so that's something that, that I try to model and like getting to know BSM director, the Chi Alpha folks, the you know, crew campus minister, different people that are doing ministry around, around the city as well. Um, and that, that stuff is important because like we do like we do believe that we are going to the new heavens new earth together yeah. you know and so if we believe that like everybody has already read the the westminster confession of faith like we're going to be sorely disappointed yeah definitely. um and if we believe that everyone is literate we're going to be disappointed <laughs> um and so anyway like that like that that's a hope that i have for students and because like i really do want them to just uh, appreciate christians i want them to know christians i want them to be able to like have iron sharpens iron conversations and not just with like people that believe like the same exact stuff that they do yeah so on that note
1: (laughs) um i think there's i think there's something there's there's wisdom in that is it possible to like to not be critical of other ministries and events taking place while at the same time trying to teach people to test the spirits and to look for the fruit.
0: Um. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to clarify what I was saying, I think it's, I I'm, I'm kind of like trying to, to get a balance of, being critical of something like a big worship service, yeah. but also saying like, like let's befriend people that are involved with that. Um, let's befriend the the folks who are on campus that are doing things. Um, and yeah, if if there is something that that needs to be, you know, critiqued, sure, yeah. like critique it for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that helps. No, it doesn't um, because I know of. I'm still new to the area. Because I, I don't believe in blind just, hey, we're okay with everybody. I love everybody. And, that, yeah. and that's that's actually the reason why I brought up the word ecumenical, because typically what ecumenical means is I don't care what anyone else believes. I just want to get along with everybody. Yeah, that tends and, to be them. That's not good. And that is uh, that's an excuse for people just to do whatever they want yeah. and actually to not care about each other. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually, like, I, I kind of want to, like, like, reawaken the word so that actually means what it really means, <laughs> which is like loving and appreciating and valuing each other, but then also like not signing off on everything that they believe. Yeah. Because, like, hey Amen, you were, um, cause you mentioned the Asbury thing
1: and you're like, you thought we were a little, what was the word again? Um, critical, I
0: think. Critical, I think, I think you said harsh Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> and so, one of my, Concerns Was like I'm friends with A lot of pastors And ministers on Facebook And Instantaneously They were all like Signing off on it Mm. Instantaneously They knew nothing about it Just what they saw In the headline Yeah And they're like Oh wow This is great And they're They're all like Copying and pasting The same photo They saw from the same article Mm. And like Like they were just saying Yes I affirm this And I thought was like I don't think we need To affirm it But I also don't think We need to instantaneously Hate it Yeah but I was like, as a shepherd, I feel like I think wow. I feel pretty confident that this is an opportunity as a shepherd to teach your people how to, hey, let's test, let's test the spirit, let's test the spirits, mm-hmm. let's look for look for the fruits, and then m- maybe we can sign off on it later. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I thought that was, I, I think that's such a better way to, to address that.
0: Yeah, and
1: not I, just that, but other things as well. Yeah,
0: I so. I don't know why we need to sign off on it. I I think that's where I stand. It's like, and and with the, he gets us too. it's like, like, and, and I got in a lot of trouble (laughs) with some friends and with some other pastors because I was, you know, 10 years ago was, was signing off good or bad on everything. Um, and, and wanting to, wanting to make like cultural critiques and wanting to say things. And, and I just had a, a, a pastor pull me aside and be like, why do you care about this one thing happening in Oregon or whatever, you know? And, and so, um, like, I think that we can just kind of sit in it and if, if someone has a question about it, then like, test the spirit like individually but i mean my my students weren't even aware of it until monday yeah <laughs> like they, they were completely clueless and i think that that's a lot of people yeah. uh, except people who are like really active on facebook um because well, they facebook culture warriors and yeah that yeah kind of thing, which and
1: i tend to get caught up in that mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah but you're not alone. I mean, I went to a yeah. wedding this weekend, um, and there were a lot of people who were very churchy talking about it, and and I just That's had to awesome. remember they're celebrating
1: the relationship. They're-
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and I just had to remember, like, oh yeah, this is a really important thing for yeah. for people who were like, you know, in in those circles, and and I mean, like, there's a conversation we could have about like social media, you know, in regards to that. That there there is an algorithm that is like. That, that's feeding you that's feeding me based yeah. on like the preferences that I'm liking that I'm like going towards um, and so there's even like manipulation in that there is and uh, I wish we cared more about
1: that we should do a conversation but we should do a conversation about that sometime because <laughs> um, I make money off of some of that <laughs> <laughs> Um, the heat gets this thing was kind of interesting because like I saw the I I watched the Super Bowl, at least the second half of it, and I saw the commercial. Great game, by the way. I think we should sign off on the (laughs) game. (laughs) (laughs) It ended up being a – yeah, it was a great game. We thought it was going to be – the first half looked kind of iffy, but the second half was – yeah, it was different. It's like I saw the commercial and I was like, I mean, like, Scripture does teach us in a way that Christ does get us. Mm -hmm. He understands the temptation we deal with. He understands what it's like to live in a broken world and to do ministry. Um, Like, he gets that. Mm-hmm. Like he was tempted, he knows where tempted. He understands that he understands the struggle and those kind of things. I'm like, in a sense, he does. I think Hebrews teaches us that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I wonder if that's what they mean when they say that. And it's so like, I posted on Facebook. I was like, Hey, so everybody's in an uproar about this. But I was like, I don't know if anybody's done any research to be in an uproar about this. So why is everybody up uh Why is everybody upset about this? And I posted on Facebook and got a lot of information. Like, when you go to their website, one of the things that they have on their website is that, like, is it seems like they don't use theological terminology, but they basically use terminology that, like, hey, your repentance doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Your your sanctification doesn't matter. None of that's important. Mm -hmm. Like, God loves you just as you are and you don't need to change. You don't need to grow or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I was like, I don't think most of the people who are upset about this actually went and dug around. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the people, the non-Christians who heard that message went and dug around on their websites. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe everybody's not as lazy as I think they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, and then a lot of people were upset that they talked about refugees on the website and that's a conversation for another time. Um, Cause there's a lot of confusion about what refugee means and sure. all that kind of stuff. And then, yep. There's a there's some kind of a political agenda behind that for some people. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I think that what you can do, this is what I've I've tried to do in the past, is, is like I can take he gets us, mm-hmm. and I can teach what the scripture says about he gets us. Yeah. And build off of that. Mm-hmm. Because what I understand the scriptures to mean is not what these people are talking about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there's a lot of concern about the organizations that back of the message and all that other kind of stuff. But like, man, it didn't take people. Oh, 60 seconds to start complaining about it. And like, I don't know if like, that's, I don't think that's necessarily healthy either. Right. Because you also who are upset about this, you need to go, luckily okay, like let's test the spirits. Let's like, and that kind of thing. You need to go like, I mean, before you get upset about something, like go figure out why you're upset about something. Mm. And so I think the fault tends to usually land on what we call the both sides kind of yep. thing. But like, kind of like what you were saying is like, well, the people that you're administering to, do they even know that exists?
0: And so probably not, probably not. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I don't know enough to speak on the, he gets this stuff. Um, I was very surprised to see it as a, yeah. as a commercial. I've been surprised in seeing it. And I think, you know, what, what, one of the things that I, that I think it's trying to, highlight that I can affirm is the nearness of God yeah. and that Jesus was a real human being and was a real human who experienced pain and experienced, yes. you know, challenges and experience yeah. like hardship and knows what it's like, like in one, I'm thinking of like one scene in one of those commercials where there are people like fighting each other who, as you look at them, you can tell that they're from different political strands and you know, my, my interpretation of that is that he gets both of them and like, that's, that's actually a pretty loud message. Um, and unfortunately I don't think that a lot of churches say that. Yeah. And I don't think that secular people, and I'm using that in a very broad sense, but people that just aren't exposed to Christianity and aren't exposed to religion at all. Um, do not, do not know that. And so, my hope would actually be to like help them see that and, and understand like the nearness of Jesus, like in the presence of your pain and your sorrow and, you know, your humanity. Um, and that he also like was human himself and that he wasn't an activist, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, anyway, it's, it's an interesting, um, yeah, we could probably have a whole other show <laughs> about that. <laughs> so.
1: so you're th- going to have to cut
0: a ton of this. <laughs> I don't know where you're going to start.
1: That's uh, somebody else's
0: job. There you go. <laughs> so did you want to share a little bit more about RUF then? Yeah, I spent no time sharing about RUF. Right. So, um, because like,
1: I know a lot of like college ministry friends I know have never heard of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah so RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship it's kind of a mouthful so I actually don't mind it when people on campus call it RUF <laughs> because it's uh it, it's sometimes more to even say the acronym than just to say RUF um yeah i mean it's it is the ministry of the PCA Presbyterian Church in America um I, I think the reason that a lot of people haven't heard of it is that it had like very small beginnings, like, you know, in 2000, I think we only had 40 ministries nationwide, and now we have 180. Oh, okay. And so there's been there's been a lot of expansion, a lot of growth um, that's happened in our UF, which has been really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's, it's a really unique ministry because it's not like I, I do my fundraising for this ministry but also churches in the PCA help fund it and so I'm I'm not just tied to one particular church or you know one particular like Presbyteria's are like you know um, group of churches um, but then but then there's just a ton of freedom that I have on campus to be able to you um, move within like different circles of people. And so there's not this like, you know, direct magnetism between like PCA church kids and RUF. Um, although that's cool when it happens. Um, and in fact at UTSA, there's so few PCA students that end up (laughs) going there that I, uh, I, I just have to go and meet other people. So, um, yeah, so so Ruf, uh, we actually turned fifty this year, which our denomination does too. Oh, so, it's been around that long. Yeah, so it's been around. It's been around for a long time. It was mostly in like South Carolina and Mississippi from the beginning, and so very humble beginnings. Um, and then like around 2000, just started growing a lot more and expanding um, all over the place. So we actually have a number of ministries. I think 14 ministries in the state of Texas. Um, so you said 14, yeah, 14. Yeah. Um, which is the most of any state. Uh, but I know there's probably a hundred BSM ministries in Texas. <laughs> um, so yeah. And, and I, I think too, like, man, I just recognize like how small I am and how small our UF is in the scope of everything. Um, but I love the ministry because again, there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of what, what, one of the things that we really want to emphasize is like being pastoral with students. And you know, that, that's kind of a thin line because in being pastoral, you don't want to like tell them that you're the church or that like your organization is the church. And so we constantly push people to the church. And so that's one of the, that's one of the like presuppositions that we have in our philosophy of ministry is that we're not the church. And we want students to know the church and we want to also value and respect. And so, um, so again, my family and I attend a local PCA church because that's part of what we believe is important. Um, And a number of our students go to the PCA church, but there's not a requirement to go to the PCA church. Um, But yeah, I mean, the way that the way that the RUF ministry functions at UT is very different than here uh University of Texas. I should have clarified that. Uh in Austin or at Austin, uh RUF is much larger. They would have a large group of a couple hundred students. They have small groups set up, a lot of leaders, a lot of student leaders that are leading those. Um we're very small. We don't have a large group meeting. We have Bible studies. I lead a lot of them in part because um I essentially have like one guy who is um, really equipped to be able to lead. Um, our hope is to be able to have student leaders, but I also love it, man. I love teaching people the Bible. Um, and so we're at UTSA, but then I also go to a community college called Northwest Vista and, um, lead Bible studies and connect with students. So, um, a friend of mine, uh, a good friend of mine in Florida says that I'm a cowboy because I like, (laughs) I like these kind of like strange ministries and I'm kind of like in the frontier ministry where uh there's just you know i'm having to kind of make it up on the fly so nice one yeah and like you started during like the whole covid pandemic thing right yep yep we moved here june 2020 um, it was awesome for like remodeling a house and, and moving into a neighborhood because we quickly got to know a lot of people. Uh, it was not great for ministry. Yeah. Uh, our campus was completely shut down for an entire school year, um, and was partially shut down for another school year. And so this is my third year officially on staff at, with our at UTSA, but my first year of getting like a typical year on campus
1: <laughs> so when they called you a cowboy which is hilarious um they're they're saying like you like to is it like one of those things where it's kind of like that looks
0: undesirable I'll, I'll go do that um I, it, it it has a very expansive meaning <laughs> but it's uh I, I I think that um yeah it, it's similar to that as well as like Maybe maybe more like frontiersmen who can kind of see the potential in something and somewhere. Um, yeah, so uh, that that might actually be more be more of the accurate thing of like, hey, that place is somewhere where people would not want to go, but I can see that it would be great. And we love San Antonio. We're like my wife and I have kind of fallen in love with this place. So awesome. yeah, yeah, it's been great. So like, what is it? you would like for
1: people to know about the importance of college ministry? Um, Oh my
0: gosh. How much more time do we have left John? Like this is, Uh, I did an episode that took two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, gosh. Cause it's got a soft spot in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So college. So I have, I have a lot of conversations with people who are like, you know, donors or who like really have like a strong investment in in this ministry and the ministries that I've been a part of who have a lot of anxiety about college yeah. and about college students. And I use that term, not necessarily clinically, but just like they feel like we have to be we have to have humongous ministries in order to, in order for like Christianity to continue. And they don't know, they, they don't essentially believe that like the gates of hell shall not overcome the church. Um, yeah. and that's like, so, so when, when I say how important it is, I want to, I, I want to clarify that like, I believe that the gates of hell will not overcome. Yeah. Um, you know, God's kingdom and God's church, absolutely. but it's such an important, it's such a crucial time in a person's life. Um, I'll be 40 later this year. And when I was 25, I, I thought like, I I remember having this conversation with my wife. I can't imagine being in my thirties doing campus ministry. (laughs) I can't imagine not doing campus ministry through my forties. Yeah. Um, because I just love students and I love the things that are going to, that, students go through during that crucial time of their life. Um, At the same time, like, you know, I, I know that I'm not the Christ um, to repeat like the words of John the Baptist. And um, like when my time's up, my time's up to, to serve on the college campus. Um, But I, but I love it so much. And I think that it really takes, so it takes, it takes a unique person to lead a church it takes a unique person to plant a church. I can't imagine how you did that. <laughs> and I think it really takes a unique person to be able to deal with a college campus. Because when you walk on a place where you, you see people living like trashy and sinful and destructive lives, like it, it can be really depressing. Um. Trashy is probably not the right word, but you know, just li- living in ways that are, are so contrary to what is typical and what is like, um, helpful for like uh, just a, a person, like how a person should live. I'm, I'm being very broad on purpose. Um, and so, so it can be like really like emotionally taxing being there because, Like even even your person who would walk in and say, I want to be involved with the campus ministry and they like get involved and they're plugged in and you just like, once you get to know someone's life, you just begin to see things that are are just really despicable. Yeah. Um, And there are very few exceptions of that in my years of campus ministry. And it's hard to hold that if you do believe that you're ultimately like doing something to save them. Um, I think that what's kept me doing this is that I like have to cling to Jesus and I have to believe that like it's Christ alone that does this work. And it's Christ alone that I'm like even here today, you know, in San Antonio proclaiming the good news of, of him. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That was the most rabid (laughs) trail answer that I've given today. And I've given a lot of them. So, um, yeah, but, but it's, it's a very important place. Definitely pray for, and, and, and I would also say this, like, man, pray broadly for campus ministries. Um, because like the, the student that connects with another ministry, like, I'm just glad that they're there. Um, as you know, so long as they're preaching the gospel, all that, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, but, but there, there are just unseen, like evil presences on college campuses. Um, the apathy for one is just enormous. There's, um, something
1: interesting, I guess, about, cause you're talking about like seeing people, Live like sinful, destructive lives, and like I think in some traditions, um, we make it clear that you're sinning against God, but we don't make it clear that your sins against God are also against yourself, yeah, and against the people around you who you affect as well, yeah. And sin is so much more destructive than you or you or I or Calvin could probably uh, mm-hmm. articulate in the most pristine ways yeah and like it is not out of a form of self-righteousness but it is painful man Mm. to watch people who you love and care about more than that person realizes just tear themselves up
0: yeah
1: um and like because they're sitting against God and they're hurting themselves and those around them which includes you because you have to see it Mm -hmm. and like especially when like you pray for them and, like, you're like, man, this is something that you're praying for them, like, nothing's changing. You're talking to them. You're teaching them. Nothing's changing. Yeah. And, like, you're just loving them. And you're still going to, like, stop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, like, it just it's rough, man. Mm-hmm. It's rough, especially, like, when it's somebody that's young and it's not as mature as they probably think that they are. They don't know as much yes. as they think that they are. And you and I don't know as much as we think that we do. Right. Um like it's when we talk about like, well, the Bible says love people. It's not this soft, fluffy thing that a lot of people like to call it. Like loving people is, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. And it's, it costs something mm. and it, it costs a lot actually. It costs your, your, it costs your time. It costs your emotions. It costs you money. It costs you like all sorts, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but because God has given us this heart that's, we didn't really ask for it. And if we did ask for it, we didn't know what we were asking for. <laughs> <laughs> like, here we are. Like, um, it's like that's it's it's something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something, man, for sure. Um, but, like, I mean, but it's important. Like, it's really important, yeah. man. Uh, you, the people in, who are college age traditionally, mm-hmm. uh, they've got freedom they've never had before. Yeah. Um, most people, despite what had, Despite what media headlines tell you, most people who are in college want to learn. Uh, They're trying to figure out who they are. Uh, They're trying to build a life. Yeah, Uh, they're exploring for better and worse, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like they're just like they're here at this place, and you know they're going to be there, and they're just like they're waiting, but at the same time they're trying to get something, and like it's a precious time in life, man, and. Why Christians and churches and denominations would not choose to invest in that is, mm-hmm. well, is mind boggling. Yeah. And like fortunately, RUF and rough <laughs> like, <laughs> like has got the presence that it does have, man. And yeah. fortunately we do have uh college ministers. Mm-hmm. But like I don't think a lot of Christians understand how important and significant like that
0: ministry is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's here's an example that I just thought of. I had had a meeting with a guy who is running a, um, a Christian camp in New Mexico. And he went to a university that I had randomly heard of in, uh, in Maine, small, maybe 1500 students. And, um, and he said, yeah, we, we started up a, a Christian ministry on campus. And I was like, wow, how many students were there there too? Yeah. That was my life. <laughs> <Two students. laughs> um, and, and, and that's not a critique of yeah. this guy. That's just That's honestly the like why. I mean, like we need to have ministries that have yeah. like five, six, seven students involved and ministers that are there because like without that, there will be a vacuum. Yeah, there like there will not be Christians on college campuses if you don't have college ministers that are there. Um, and you know, I mean, there are so many people who I talk to that are like, why can't you get a hundred people together? at utsa and 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 i'll say well it's the lord's work but also it's actually much more difficult than you would imagine to get people to care about anything why don't you come down for two or three days <laughs> walk alongside me and like
1: we can do this together for a couple of days <laughs>
0: yeah 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 i brought um, my sister-in-law along uh for for one day to kind of see what happens like at northwest vistas community college and after doing tabling for four hours and then doing a Bible study, she was like, that was the most exhausting day I've ever <laughs> had in my life. And she's a counselor. <laughs> like she, she deals with people's problems all day. She was like, I do not know how you do that all the time. Um, but yeah, it, anyway, I'm, I'm not trying to toot my horn at all. It, it's just a different kind. And and I love, again, I, I think that there is like a good amount of like humility, like in our institution is RUF because I heard one of the best descriptions of like, you know, the difference between like a church planter and a senior pastor and an assistant pastor, and then like a campus minister. And it's a different like workout style. And so if you like doing high intensity interval training um, type workouts, you know, that if, if, if that's how you like to, to work, if that's how you like your work life to be, then you're actually a great fit for an RUF type thing because it is like high intensity workouts all the time. If you love consistency and you're a marathon runner was the description, you'd be a great senior pastor because you just kind of deal with like things in, in the term, And you know, that there's going to be challenges along the way, but like, you're just going, you're trucking for a long time and you're preaching every week. Um, and I'm definitely more of a high intensity interval training guy. Um, I I can deal with you know the high intensity stuff, but I love having like my summers, you know, and not having to to work constantly during yeah. that time. So, uh, and getting breaks during Christmas vacation and you know all that. So, so there is there's that right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so like you're working with a Gen Z. Right. Mm-hmm. What is it that people don't know about Gen Z that they probably should know about?
0: Um, I think Gen Z is honest; is they're honest about how confused they are, um, but they don't know what to do with it. So, yes, from a Christian perspective, it's it's actually a great window into the potential that's there for like students to actually like understand their need for for something and, um, to have it filled in Jesus rather than in, you know, other things. Um, I think what is so hard for them is that they are accustomed to being bubbled. And I'm speaking specifically in like, um, like social media terms, but also like they're, they're, they're just accustomed to being in some kind of like comfortable type setting. And so to get them out of a, comfortable setting is difficult. Um I mean, for instance, we have you can like even racially divide out the the like type of medical organizations that are at UTSA. Um there's not just like the the pre-med, you know, group. There there is, you know, potentially like a Hispanic premed group. Um oh. and so like that that I think is just a picture of like how how comfortable we can be in a particular work, um, it, like that. That's one example um, of of how like Gen Z is being divided out. I don't think it's necessarily their fault either, um, and so it's hard for people to move outside of that and to say to even say something like it would be good for me to be in a church with a multi generation of people. Um, because they would probably say I need to be racially and age wise with a group of people who would understand me and to be able to speak my language in an appropriate way. Um, not understanding that there's goodness in being outside of that and that that bubble is to, to use a Gen Z terminology is more toxic than being in a (laughs) multi-generational, uh, you know, setting in a church, where you can, if, if you're allowed to have freedom, you can have freedom to talk about things and to not just, you know, be triggered by one another. That's also Gen Z terminology. Yes. <laughs>
1: you no, know, I would think that everybody would, I think it'd be, it may not be comfortable, but it'd be better for everybody to be in something that would be like multi-generational or that kind of thing that you're talking about. I think that's, I would argue that that's probably best for everybody Yeah, like, to be around people that are not just like you. Yeah, uh, Maybe I'm more comfortable for people for most, for some people in the beginning. Yeah. But, but like, that would seem like the ideal.
0: Yeah. And I'm an older millennial. I will say Same. that when I, w- when I think about a boomer, I think about a, a <laughs> meme and, and it like scares <laughs> me to like want to be in their presence. Yeah, um, And, and I also think of like just experiences with, with family that haven't been pleasant um what's been great about being in the pca is that i'm around a lot of boomers whenever i'm at presbytery and so (laughs) my job is actually not to be a separatist that's just on campus but it actually is to be like friends with people who are much older than me yeah and um and so I have to do that.
1: <laughs> you don't
0: have a choice. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have well, I mean, I, I actually could choose not to go to my Presbyterian <laughs> meetings, but it wouldn't be the best for me, you know? Yeah.
1: That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the last one. What is the misconception that everybody has about Gen Z?
0: Um misconception everyone has about Gen Z. Man, that's hard. There's not just one. Yeah, I think one would be that they're um, that. Gosh, it's that. That's a hard question because I think that you. When I think of Gen Z, I also think of like the earlier students that I had, and yeah. just how difficult it's been for them to keep jobs, and. In the sense of like they just get unhappy and they switch within like six months or a year. Oh, gosh. And that's a critique that a lot of like boomers have about like, you know, millennials, but then also Gen Z. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Okay. What's the question again?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is, um, I said the misconception, but we can go just A. Yeah. What is the the misconception that everybody that everybody has about Gen Z? Um.
0: Yeah, I, I think that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna speak from a Christian standpoint, so I can narrow it down <laughs> um, I think that we are Christians make too much of like Barner research and to okay. see how unreligious, uh, uh like. Yeah. And and they just assume that, like, this is the generation that is going to hell. And um, that's going to need to be edited. <laughs> but that there there is um, a sense where, like, this is a like this is an impossible task for yeah. for campus ministers or for things like that. And I, I mean, it's a very secularized group of people, but it's also a group of people who have like I have hope for because they have, they've been, they've been exposed to a lot in terms of like, like beliefs, dogmas, like the secular creed being like shoved down their throat of like, this is what you need to believe. You need to believe that love is love. You need to believe that, um, you know, that trans rights are human rights, like that, those sorts of things. And I think that, the, the peeling back of some of that stuff um, is going to be really interesting to see, like, how how Christians that come out of this generation, like, are able to relate to their neighbors. Whereas I think that they're like, even in like early millennial generation, like, if you weren't in like cultural hotspots, you were you, you didn't have to be around people who lived different lifestyles yeah. um, who were trans, who were gay, things like that. And so there was an unfamiliarity to it. I like, I now would be able to engage with a person that was trans that walked in to our church. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot of students who have a lot of compassion for people in the same way that I think we see in the good Samaritan parable. And so that's, I think that's really helpful. No, that's good, man. That's fair. That's probably pretty spot on. Uh, Yeah. Hmm.
1: Nah, that one's got my mind going in circles. Appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's been good, man. It's been awesome.
1: And for everybody else, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the conversation, like we said before, don't forget to like the video, subscribe, click the bell. If you've got any comments, please don't hesitate to put those in the comment section. If you have any questions, please share those as well. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord uh, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance uh, upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.